0: Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B. Today, I welcome Sienna Brown. Sienna was born in Kingston, Jamaica, and grew up in Canada, a professional dancer, film editor, and documentary director. Sienna worked at Sydney Living Museums, where she first came across William's story for the book we talk about today, Master of Fate. Welcome, Sienna. Oh, hi, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to chat to you and I need to tell you how this interview and tell listeners how this interview came about. So Jack Heath, um, author Jack Heath, he's a friend of mine and he's appeared on the podcast a number of times and he said to me, have you interviewed Nigel Featherstone? And I said, I have not. Why, Why haven't I interviewed Nigel? And so I did and we talked about his magnificent book, Bodies of Men on episode 247. And he said, can I do a Jack Heath and ask if you've interviewed interviewed Sienna Brown because I think she's amazing and I said oh I love this why haven't I interviewed Sienna Brown oh wow thanks Nigel (laughs) so then I um you know contacted your publisher and here we are so what I'm hoping is that in the next day or two you can then recommend someone else to me and we can have this chain of uh, recommendations of who I should interview next
1: yes absolutely I've already got a couple of people that I'd like to send across to you so (laughs) I will do that I love this it's
0: like our little own little family tree (laughs) yes do you know Nigel or is he just a fan of your work
1: oh gosh I think we're both fans of each other's work um Yes, no, I met Nigel through being long listed for the HNSA um historical fiction prize. Mm-hmm. Uh we were both long listed. Um I started following his Instagram posts and I love them. Mm-hmm. So I thought, ah, oh, let me get in touch and just say, Hey, congrats. You know, oh, we're wonderful. we're on the long list. And Isn't and that kind wonderful. Of, yeah, and it grew into a friendship from there. And we're kind of writing buddies now. So which is lovely oh that is very nice
0: I love that story and you know I always say the book community is such a, a beautiful supportive community and that's just more proof of it yes so we are going to talk about Master of My Fate this you know brilliant book that I read this week can you give us an elevator pitch for those who haven't yet picked it up
1: yeah, sure. Uh, look, it's, it's essentially a coming of age story. Um, it's based on a true life story, the life of William Buchanan. Um, William was born a slave uh, in 1800 in Jamaica, and the book really tracks his whole growing up process, his growing up and becoming a freedom fighter. And for that, he gets convicted and gets transported as a convict to the colony of New South Wales. And when he gets here, he's he's uh, put into high pack barracks. But within a couple of months, he actually uh, escapes and becomes a bush ranger. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Williams had this amazing, dramatic life. And uh, when I discovered him, uh, it's kind of motivated me to to write about his story and not only his story, but the other people within his family and also the history of that period um so it's been a wonderful exploration for me as well
0: Mm, and it is a very unique story you know starting life as he did and then ending up in australia as a bushranger and i wanted to know you didn't come across this story until you were in sydney yourself and you came across william's story and you know you're struck with that sense of fate and the story of a, a lost man so far from home did this resonate with you in some way
1: Oh, God, yeah, it really, really did look, you know, as you've mentioned, I was born in Jamaica, grew up in Canada, and then I migrated here um so australia was sort of my third home Mm -hmm. third port of call and even after living here for a number of years i still felt quite unsettled i think because um you know i was married to an australian that's why i came out here and we didn't have any kids and i think when you have kids it kind of grounds you roots you in the land in the culture that you're residing in And so there was always this pull, you know, am I going home, am I staying? Am I going home, am I staying? And then finding these guys uh, from my homeland suddenly opened up a whole other feeling. And and, uh, as I started to write, as I started to research, I started to feel, well, hey, maybe this is why I traveled 10,000 miles away (laughs) Uh, from my family maybe this is why I'm here is is to actually do justice to their stories and shed a little bit of light on on what may have happened to those men
0: oh that's a beautiful story and I wanted to ask you you know you must have done some research when you found out about his story and I, I always like to know what surprised you about your research and about William's story the most
1: well, I think, well, there were so many things, mm. but uh, since I, I was working at High Park uh, Barracks as a guide, and so, you know, I'd done quite a lot of study in terms of colonial history, convict history, uh, but then as I started to investigate these men, it, it actually drove me backwards in time towards my homeland. And so I started to find out things about Jamaica that I really didn't know about. Of course, I knew there was slavery uh, and it's a different kind of slavery to the African-American experience. It's a British plantation slave life, which is which is slightly different. Slavery, of course, is slavery, but um, it was a bit like when I first came here, you know, having convict as your ancestor was was looked down upon. People didn't talk about that. And then it actually became very popular. And now everybody has a convict in their their background. Um, And it's a similar thing in Jamaica. Uh, Nobody wanted to acknowledge really that they came from slavery or even what happened uh, during that period. I myself haven't discovered that yet. I keep looking. But um, yeah, so it was finding out about the country that I was born in um and seeing it in a very 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 different light um opened up a lot of a lot of stuff for me I think um and put a different perspective on the world as well you know the British empire the commonwealth that both Canada and Australia and Jamaica are part of
0: it was very interesting his voice too and I wanted to talk to you about William's voice it was very unique and (laughs) it... <laughs> really capturing that voice must have been important to you but challenging in the same way because you wanted to capture the way William might have spoken back then. Can you tell us about the challenges or the triumphs of trying to capture that voice so well (laughs) which you did you did you captured it beautifully. Thanks
1: so much yes look it was it was a challenge and and eventually became a triumph hopefully. (laughs) Um, You know the problem of course is that it's an oral tradition the the world of slavery. Uh, In fact it was illegal to teach a slave how to read and write for obvious reasons. Education allows people to think in a very different way. Um, but I was very clear that I didn't want, you know, a slave speaking King's English, which I've read a couple of slave narratives and, you know, they speak as though they are contemporaries of us. And I just felt that that would be completely wrong. And it was also difficult because there were two narratives going on, you know, the slave, the the way the slave would speak to the master would be one way. And then when a slave spoke to a fellow slave, it would be codified in a different way. And there was only a smattering of, of actual written material that I could find out. Uh, how that might have sounded. And, and even then, it was always from the perspective of the other, from the master uh, talking about that. I, I just felt I had to come up. You know, there's, I've, got, I've got my background of Pat or Jamaican uh, lilt to it anyway. Uh, so I thought, how am I gonna do this? So it, I did it in a number of different ways. First of all, I used a Jamaican dictionary which translates a lot of those words going way back into the 1800s. I also used Ngram Viewer in Google, uh, which is that you put words in and it tells you uh, where that word appears in in books from a particular period. That's
0: interesting. Uh,
1: Yeah, that's fabulous, fabulous. You know, so, and I was also lucky enough to have a fabulous mentor, Professor Barry Higman from ANU. Uh, Barry had worked for 30 years in the University of West Indies, and he's an Australian, uh, and written a lot about Jamaican slavery, the economies of, of Jamaican slavery, um, and he reframed things for me. So, you know, when I was talking about the seasons I was talking about it from weather and he said no 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 and plantation it would be about the crops it would always be related to the crops so you were either in crop season or out of crop season you were in mill season or whatever so there was that side Uh, there was also the structural side where what I did was after I'd written the first draft um, you know I was trapped in this feeling of I wanna write the most perfect, beautiful language possible. And here am I putting on this straight jacket, trying to write like a slave. So what I did was I pulled out all the conjunctions. I pulled, I like, you know, made it very sparse, went back to very, very short sentences, and then gradually started to re-stitch them back together. And that changed the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fascinating what happened. And that straight jacket, That felt like a straitjacket to to start with. Suddenly, William's voice came out of that, Um, and I was starting to hear him really loud and clear. And and you know, once I shifted from third person into first person, present, he just came right through. I heard him. It was no longer a straitjacket. He was flowing through the through the keys of the keyboard (laughs) he was standing right behind me through the whole thing
0: I love that there was so much work put into that voice because you can you can tell when you read it you know you can tell that you Um. tried to capture something very special and I really like the idea I mean I really like um, first person present voice as well. I think it's very mm. immediate and I think you're with the character the whole way. Yes. And I've read quite a few books um, in first person present voice and I quite mm-hmm. like it. It's what, probably one of my favorites, I think.
1: I think it's coming into its own. You mm. know, that the great literary writers didn't write like that. I think it's a very contemporary use, as far as I know anyway. Mm. I think it's a very contemporary way of of uh, relating to her characters. And I think that has something to do with the kinds of lives that we live now. And people are more interested in getting close to that character and and being with them on that journey and and not sort of observing them and, and looking at them. And maybe people are talking about different things, writers are talking about different things um, than, than they used to. And Mm. it needs to be more immediate, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think, it's funny that you said as soon as you did that and you changed that, it came alive because I can see that with William, you know, his story it needed to be told and it needed, it did have some urgency to it, I think.
1: Mm, definitely, definitely.
0: Now, Master of My Fate, it is a special book and I loved the character Will. And I love one of the quotes he says that he says, not seeing that sometimes part of me gone missing and I get lost in a silence I cling to and he feels abandoned by his mother and he feels, you know, all these things that he doesn't belong and he feels displaced and then he's moved around. Obviously, you had to, you know, connect some fiction to what you read about him because that's what storytelling is about, I guess. Can you talk to me about the development of Will and his character and and if you can, where fiction met fact?
1: Mm, mm. Well, a lot of it... Um... Look, I, I think as writers, we put ourselves in every story, you know, and and I think uh, I loved writing Will as the child, as, as he grew up and became a man, I found it harder and harder, actually, mm. to write as a man, I think, because as a child, uh, a child is genderless on some level. And it's really about his interior landscape. Um, and I think as children, we've always felt we can feel uh going through this process of being with mom the parents and then gradually waking up to the fact that you're living in this bigger and bigger and bigger world and that you're just this very tiny little element within it and and i think we've all been through that sort of passage if you like that initiation of of understanding what it means to be human yeah, so Will is, is, is abandoned by his mother for various reasons. Um, for her, I think it's actually a way of protecting him in an odd way. You know, she separates him out from the master and says, he's not your son, even though we do discover that he is, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and so he has to navigate that world. But I think the world of slavery itself is one where you are abandoned and lost in silence. You know, you have your own inner thoughts, but you're not allowed to really speak what you really feel. You may say the wrong thing. Am I saying the right thing? I I would think there would be this, be like this pressure cooker on you at all times to behave in a certain way and make sure that you don't, you know, catch the master's eye, that you don't end up getting the lash. So, and I think Will, as I present him, is a very sensitive child and he feels deeply. And I think at 10, when he discovers that he's actually all alone, as he says, I'm all alone and no one can stand between me and this world. Um, And yeah, that's a big discovery for a child. You know, most of us discover that we are in a big world, but then we've got our parents and our siblings and you know, protected on a certain level. But I think for a slave child, they're not protected at all.
0: And the other question he had, which, you know, couldn't be more relevant for today's context was mm. the most important part of our work is to discover what kind of man we want to be. And I feel like he was he was conflicted between compliance and finding purpose mm. and freedom and, you know, survival. So I think that's mm-hmm. a really important quote and so relevant for today's world as well.
1: Oh, God, it certainly is, isn't it? I mean, that was Sam Sharp that was teaching him that. That was his first real father figure, if you like, that was trying to educate him as to exactly what kind of man you want to be. And I think in light of what's been happening, the explosion of content around uh, sexual assault, mm-hmm. I think that, um, and this is sort of getting away from the book, but I do feel it's men's business. You know, I, I do think men have to actually come together and talk to each other and and say to each other, this is not on. This is not the kind of man I want to be. Is that the kind of man you want to be? And women can't do that. You know, we can We can um, protest, we can stand up for ourselves. We're so strong and we can do so much, but until men actually say that to each other, I actually don't think anything's going to change.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and it's an interesting thing you say because I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder mm. how many how many men have that conversation with themselves because it also might be a difficult conversation and I know from my life if I've ever made a mistake or done something that I, I probably shouldn't have or you know, you look back, and I, I've, I've, I think I've become better at having those difficult conversations with myself about, you know, I, I could have been better, I need to mm-hmm. be better, or I shouldn't have done that. And at the end of it, it's quite painful when you go through it, but at mm-hmm. the end of it, you do become a better person, I think. So I wonder, I wonder if you know, listeners can tell us if if they've had those difficult conversations with themselves because it can make a significant difference, can't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's part of the maturing process. Mm. <laughs> I think that's called becoming an adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, is actually to, you're no longer that spoiled child that, that wants it their own way. And when you don't get it, you get really pissed off and upset. <laughs> Um, and I think it's also reflective and ability for us to reflect on what's happened. I mean, with that now, what I try to do is, is when I do find those mistakes or I come upon a situation I wasn't happy with, you know, instead of putting myself down, I actually now go, yep, you did that. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's look at it. Um, but what else, you know, let's, let's switch it up. Let's actually talk about um what you're going to do next time. Yeah. So you still acknowledge it. Uh, you live with it because mm-hmm. it never goes away, really. Yep. But but you move on, you know. And, and I think uh, just bringing it back to William, for him, it was the first person that said to him, "Hey, you're you're a man. You have to stand up for what you believe in," and that applies to you know either gender, any gender. Um, and what are you going to be? Are you going to be the slave or the master? And that's sort of the whole point of, of, of the title, Master of My Own Fate, is really what William discovers yeah. uh, through
0: this process. Absolutely. And my, my poor son, he's only eight years old, but I'm always having this conversation with him what kind of man do you want to become? <laughs> so hopefully. I uh, dare. <laughs> <laughs>
1: for darling, at eight. Well, look, it's it's good to have that conversation because I think you know, in the past, men were just told what to be. Yes, boys exactly. were just told how they had to be. There was yeah. there was no give and take there.
0: You know. Yeah, he loves a deep conversation, so it's all right. <laughs> oh, that's good, That's good, Mum. Keep up the good work. Now, like you said, this story is a coming-of-age story, but at the heart yeah. of the story it's about a mother and son. It's about resilience. It's about survival. It's about so many of those human things that we can all relate to, and that's what I loved so much about this story.
1: Mm. Well, look, it's even though it's William's story, for me, it was always about the woman... Um you know Stella in particular uh, his mother um what a strong woman and and what a woman to be able to to you know women in in that situation uh often were the workers in the field they were often the ones that had to uh, Uh, give birth so they were producing more slaves for the master and then in Stella's case she was an indoor slave so she was navigating that territory between being a slave being his wife a partner so to speak being the mother of her children um and also the politics of of the household as well uh because of course everybody would be vying to to you know move up the ladder um, and and sort of yeah, it would have been tremendous pressure. Uh, but you know, it was so interesting because factually, um, when I discovered that that Stella had actually uh, been removed from the the research, the archival, the original sources, and and I won't I won't spoil the story for people who haven't read it yet. It was a huge shock because I had to decide do i go into fact i e yes she's no longer with william or do i go into fiction and and allow her to live and keep going and and be part of the story for the rest of the rest of the novel and i think i erred on the side of factual i i said these are real people mm-hmm. i have to actually honor their lives and what happened and i think in this case it was actually more powerful because what happened to stella is, is is sort of the little kernel that drove william uh to do a lot of the things that he actually did after yeah. that so. it's definitely
0: a turning point i think for him mm. 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 now sienna i love to ask all writers this question because i usually get such interesting answers why mm. do you why do you write oh gosh <clears throat> that's usually the first reaction i get <laughs>
1: dear oh dear dear well in a nutshell look it gives me a chance to do something that i've grown to love doing i, I mean I, I and i love i think the multifacetedness of it <clears throat> you know you, you're trying to develop craft skills uh your you, the use of words uh you're trying to put your thoughts your emotions down on the page and i truly believe that language is the divine gift you know, it's been given to us and and we can use it for good or we've seen it being used for evil, and, and I think there's there's so much power there. And so to be able to sit down every day and, and talk about the human condition uh, and use this beautiful thing that we have this beautiful tool of, of expression. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real gift and I, and I feel very blessed being able to do that and it and and you know what it actually makes me happy
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you can't argue with that (laughs) no you can't argue with that
1: and of course I've got bummer days but you know I would say 90% of the
0: time it, it actually fulfills me so that's why I write that's a lovely answer. Look, thank you so much, Sienna. I'm, I'm so thankful to Nige, Nigel to bringing us together tonight. Oh, thanks so show. much.
1: And thanks. It's been lovely. You're wonderful talking to oh, you. And I you. loved my questions. Oh, thank you. Thanks so
0: much. Well, I loved reading this book and I'm so glad it found its way into my hands. And sometimes I just let the world you know take me to these books and that's why yes. I, I had such a nice time speaking to Nigel and I said yes I, I trust you and I know that this book's going to be wonderful so if the universe so universe brought it to me and I'm so glad that it did so thank yes. you for joining me a remarkable uh, story unique voice and such a great chat thank you uh, thanks so much